It is another Monday night edition of the Chair Shot Podcast. We decided, since no one uh, else uh, on Monday can draw anyone in, we said we'll be the new powerhouse on Monday nights uh, for wrestling fans. And that's not actually true. We will be back on Sundays whenever I'm around. Uh, I'm your not very reliable host, uh, Barry Murphy, with me as always, my ever dependable co-hosts. First of all, Hello. And also... Oh, hell yeah. Alrighty, we've got uh, quite a bit of stuff to get to this week. I think we've all had a bit of a quiet life goff. I don't see a whole lot of, of uh, life goff on the, the rundown. Have we all have we all had, you know, good, functional, normal weeks where we all just lived our lives? Yeah, let me tell you, listeners, if you like telly goff, movie goff, and the wrestling, oh, you got a hell of a week. If you're one of them mu- music goff listeners... Hate to tell you, but you're gonna be skipping this one. Imagine tuning in for music. Imagine though. if they skipped every episode that did not have a music review. Did I listen to any music this week? I mean, I did, but how many times can I talk about Hot Fuss, the best album of the two thousands? <laughs> or um, the Darkness album? Oh, I've listened to that in a while. Second, second best one. Permission to land. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh let's get into it because we have we have a million movies to talk about so we'll save that uh let's jump into the telly golf. i have not really watched much telly uh so i'll let you boys uh, take the old lead there um oh my god shut up stop coughing oh my god Michelle, shut the fuck up Be sick somewhere else jesus jesus christ um so i've got i've got all the telly golf here a um, few different series that came to an end in the past week. Um, first of all was The Capture, which I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, which was a kind of thriller about uh, CCTV and deep fake video footage and things like that. Like, that came to an end. final episode was fairly entertaining, but bit, a bit flat as well. It was kind of a very realistic but quite um, unhappy ending. Um, so I did enjoy the series overall, but I think that that final episode was a bit, bit, bit flat. Um, also watched Mindhunter, uh, finally finished off season one, uh, and I was talking about this a little while ago. Um, overall, it's quite an enjoyable series to watch, but it's, it, there's no real plot. <laughs> there's no kind of story to the season. It's, it's two detectives interviewing various kind of serial killers to kind of learn what motivates them um, back in the, I think it's in the 70s. Um, and their relationship is very interesting. It's kind of the, the, the characters go through these quite clear arcs, and, and um, their experiences interviewing the serial killers have a big kind of influence on them and on their personal lives. But there's not a kind of clear, you know, strand of story running through it. But it's still, it's still enjoyable. I look forward to checking out season two. Uh, neither of you guys have, have checked out my hunter, have you? My uh, hunter, I. I, I started season one and never finished it. Yeah, it took me two guys to get into it. Um, it's, it's enjoyable enough. Uh, and also, the big, of course, the hot, hot show of the moment, uh, Succession, wrapped up its second season uh, this week uh, with a fantastic episode. Had Twitter ablaze uh, with gifs and quotes. Uh, really, really strong finish that sets up season three really really well uh if you haven't checked out succession i would highly recommend it 
first half of season one is quite slow and doesn't quite get into gear, but then from the second half of what? Worth it. She says it's worth it. Um, but the second half of season one and season two are both absolutely uh, fantastic. It's probably, I think it's with Game of Thrones kind of shit in the bed and ending. Um, Succession's taken its its place as a kind of darling of uh, the golden age of, of television. Number one drama. So that's Telegraph. Also, um, just watched the chase. Um, oh yes, edition, and they had uh, Basil Brush and Andy Peters. Hmm. Well, that's pretty good. That's, I was expecting significantly less names than an icon like Basil Brush. Yeah, he didn't get many questions. I'll be honest. I think he I couldn't reach the buzzer. Well, that's that's fair. Also, I, I'd really love if Basil Brush went on, and then the entire nation just turned on him because he took like the low offer. <laughs> yeah, he took the minus number to to stay in. Absolutely. Well, I've had a well, that's terrible, Basil Brush. <laughs> boom, boom. I've had a great day, I'm afraid, Bradley, but I'm going to have to take the low offer. I have no idea what this pressure is. Why is he northern? Oh, dearie me. That's telling off anyway. Um, yeah, I've heard great things about succession. Um, would like to get to that at some point. Uh, so, yeah, no no uh, television goff for myself or the Griff over there. Uh, but, Paul, why don't you take us through some of the movies you've been watching this week? Oh, God, so many fucking movies this week, Barry. So many movies. So, obviously, I, I'm sure at least one of you guys will have seen almost every movie I'm going to talk about. So, please feel free to yeah. jump in and join the conversation, okay? So, first of all, I watched El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Uh, which of course I watched on Netflix and I quite enjoyed um, I think at its best it's it was like a very good if a little bit fillery uh, episode of Breaking Bad like I, I don't think it quite reached the height of you know Breaking Bad at its best you know but it, it felt like watching Breaking Bad it was typically really well made as Breaking Bad was you know uh, cinematography was great Pre- performances were strong across the board um however i thought it was also a little bit disjointed um in terms of like timelines because you you of course have like the modern day what the plot of the film is you know what jesse post finale right but you also have a kind of flashback storyline which runs parallel to the main one and then between that you have other flashbacks to other times so it's a little bit all over the place, and sometimes the the flashes don't really mesh super well, um, you know. And at its worst, some of those scenes really serve no purpose other than to go, "Hey, it's that character from that show you like. Remember them from twelve years ago?" Like, yeah. Honestly, some characters I rem- I, I recognize from the show, but I didn't remember who they were or what their name was. But I was like, "Oh yeah." There's that guy who was in, like, four episodes, I guess. Um, and it's like, I remember when we reviewed Better Call Saul, mm. remember we uh, we were critical of the of the Tuco stuff in season one. That felt more substantive than some of the stuff in this. I, I mean, you know, some of it worked because of the story it was telling. And then, yeah, one or two of the little cameos to me felt a little bit like when they meet, 
he doesn't like you. I don't like you either in Rogue One. Do you know when they just show up in the middle of it for no reason? It was a little bit like that. Um, but generally, I thought it was quite strong. If, if a little pointless, not in the sense of why did they have to make it at all or is it kind of justifiable in its existence, but pointless in the sense of especially the, um, the main flashback plot. I kind of didn't care about that story. I, I, I understood the parallels yeah. it was telling to the main story, but I didn't find it very interesting or like it was a story that I needed to know about. Um, I think, I think, I don't think it's a spoiler to, to say this, but I, 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 you're referring to the Todd centric stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I loved the character of Todd in the, in the, in the show, just because he was such a sort of like a peon, a little, uh, uh, you know, oh, what would you even call him? Like a goon, a hired goon, for lack of a better term. Mm. Um, but not not remotely compelling enough to get as much airtime on this as he did. And I couldn't stop paying attention to the fact that he's a bit of a big boy now. I could not stop. He looks completely about different to how he looked. He has, and he's obviously he's got you know this is very successful for him. He's gotten some good gigs out of it. <laughs> Hollywood it pays quite well, I think. <laughs> he spent uh, a lot of it at the you know local Five Guys, perhaps. Perhaps it's very yeah. very funny because initially when you see him, he's like his face is hidden by a grate for like the first five minutes. And I was, and even then, I immediately noticed, and I was like, "Are you deliberately framing this?" <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought. I'm like, "Okay, I know because I've seen him in films, etc. I know that he's kind of filled out a little bit." Are they gonna shoot him like hidden the entire his entire appearance? But no, he they, they don't, unfortunately. But um, yeah, but that whole story just felt very bleh to me. Um. And you know the main story was 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 quite good, um, especially towards the latter half where it kind of got a little bit more exciting. Um, it, yeah, it was very it was very good. It was kind it was kind of better than I or not even better, but I kind of enjoyed it more than I thought I was gonna because I talked before about you know kind of having been disconnected from Breaking Bad so long that I don't really feel a craving or you know an emotional connection like I used to. And I kind of feel like yeah. I, I enjoyed it despite that. I didn't feel like when I started watching it that I was suddenly back in, you know, 2014 or whatever. But, um, no, but I, it's really good. It's really, really good. If a little, as I say, a little pointless for a lot of it and and pretty egregiously, you know, fan service at its worst. But it's good. It's a good movie. Um, it's funny as well because there's bits in flashbacks where um, <laughs> you're talking about how how Todd's filled out. There's bits in the flashbacks where Jesse is supposed to look like he looks in season one, but he's like yeah. 42 now or whatever. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it's a little wacky, but and he was like he was always kind of pushing it. <laughs> like even back then, he was not believable as the age he was supposed to be. He, I think he in particular is very good at it though. I mean, it, it's kind of his movie, narratively, it's kind of, but he also, he also carries it with his performance. 
it's kind of the only real strong positive I had about it. Everything else I thought was just kind of fine. It 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 blah 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 blah. It ended up feeling quite superfluous when I was finished with it. I was like, I could have easily never seen this. Well, I mean, the whole, yeah, yeah. I I don't think if if you avoid it as a Breaking Bad fan, you're you're missing out necessarily because it is very much like an epilogue rather than a true continuation of the story in any meaningful way. And even the story that it's telling here is kind of set up in a flashback where they show a conversation he had with a, a, a character that everyone will recognize where they're just talking about like, you know, what, what, what you do with your money when you get out of here, Jesse. And that's, that's kind of what, what pushes the story to go. Um, but even that is just kind of th- thrown in with no real context from the show, you know? Um, I don't think Jesse was ever a character that was thinking too far ahead. He was always kind of in the moment, so it was a bit of a step a step away from there. But I no, I I did enjoy it. I thought it went by real quickly as well, because it is two hours. It doesn't necessarily feel like a two-hour episode. It feels like a you know a little bit longer, but it, it didn't it didn't drag for me or anything, and I did enjoy it. Um, also Netflix, I watched. Caddyshack, which is known as one of those kind of classic 80s screwball comedies, right? Starring Bill Murray, Rodney Dangerfield. Um, Ooh, Rodney Dangerfield! <laughs> hey, oh. I'm over here doing my improv! That's also my Bernie Sanders impression, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Sanders! Medicare for all! <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I mean, I had never seen Caddyshack, but I, whenever I think of Caddyshack, I think of it in that kind of, you know, Ghostbusters, plane trains, automobiles, that kind of 80s John Candy, Bill Murray era of comedies. And I guess because of that, I kind of hold it up to that standard. But actually, aside from Rodney Dangerfield's scenes and another actor called Ted Knight, who's in it, who I'd never seen or heard of before but is 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 very very funny in it apart and he plays kind of rodney dangerfield's he's like the straight man to rodney dangerfield's wacky you know antagonist um even though he is the true antagonist because you you like rodney dangerfield because of how funny and likable he is um with the exception of those two i thought it was pretty rubbish i gotta be honest um roger rodney dangerfield doesn't as far as I can tell have any script. He just his shtick is they're they, they're shooting a scene and he'll walk into the room and make a wise crack at everyone as he walks through and then he'll just <laughs> walk off the shot. He goes, "Hey, exactly. look at this woman over here. Hey, you oh, you must have oh, been oh, for electricity. <laughs> hey, this guy. Hey, look at that hat. Hey, what are you uh, homeless or something? Hey, hey, over you. That's all he does. But he's like so charismatic and he's so funny." That he just, whenever he's on set, he just, like, bright, brightens up the screen. Um, Bill Murray, on the other hand, is shit in it. And oh. he, the, 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 like, one thing I knew about Caddyshack in advance was, like, there was a thing with Bill Murray and, and gophers. That was kind of a, a running plot through it. Oh, just fucking so unfunny. Um, and I like Bill Murray, but, ooh, this movie fucking sucked. Um, so if you want to watch Caddyshack, here's what you do. You go to YouTube and you put Caddyshack, Rodney Dangerfield, best bit. And just watch that compilation. And the other guy 
who's good in it is, as I said, called Ted Knight. And he's just a guy who does uh, wacky, annoyed facial expressions to everything Rodney Dangerfield says. So Rodney Dangerfield on his own is funny. But then you have this guy going, how dare you say And he's just like way over the top and silly. And that's, they kind of work together. But um, the rest of the film is, is rubbish. Is really rubbish. Way, way worse than I thought it was going to be. I, I was ready for a nice, light, fucking 80s comedy. But it's, it is trash. It is fucking trash. Uh, so avoid Caddyshack. Um, now we get into the spooky movies. Because it is Halloween. Hell yeah. So I watched three scary movies this week. Now I made the mistake of starting <laughs> with what I consider the best horror film of all time. And that is The Shining. Oh. By Mr. Stanley Kubrick. Um which I not not for the first time have I seen. I've seen it many, many times. Uh fuck I, it's a, it, like um Blade Runner. I like this movie more every time I see it. I think I've, I think I saw it even fairly recently because this is where the um, the I said uh, admittedly now having seen it again I said a, a fairly stupid thing <laughs> that Jack Nicholson in it reminds me of Jack Black a bit um, so oh. it, it's not that long ago last time I watched it I, uh, by the way I take that back that's a fucking stupid thing to say Paul um, oh yes it is yeah I, I've I've learned the error of my ways <laughs> don't get me wrong. Um, Shot per- fucking perfect. The shot, it's so fucking good. Um, from the very first shot where they're like driving the car up to uh, you know, up up the, the mountainside up to the hotel, oh, fucking, the, the music and everything, it's so tense, it's tense throughout. It's the perfect mix of like psychological thriller and supernatural horror. Um, it's so clear, it's great. I, I, I loved every minute of it. Um, and I love that it doesn't even have to spell stuff out for you. The stuff that's happened that happens in it. It's not even like your, you know, classic open-ended uh, ending to a story. It's there's stuff that happens during the film that's never explained, and it doesn't have to be explained because it's just you know tone setting and given this ho- this big empty hotel kind of an eerie feel to it, and it's just so perfect. It's probably. If I was to list like my top three horror movies ever, I'd probably have, you know, Shining number one. Maybe The Thing would be up there as well. Uh, yeah. Alien, maybe. But um, whereas The Thing, I, I also love, but is is definitely kind of a, a more schlocky enjoyment. <laughs> uh, I think The Shining is just like a class film. It's just superbly made. Um, love it. Love it, love it, love it. So I don't want to talk about Shining too much because I've already reviewed it on the show. But um, are you are you looking forward to Doctor Sleep? Yeah, because it's uh, Mike Flanagan, right? Uh, is this? I didn't even know that. I just saw yeah. the trailer. I was like, that looks great. Yeah. Oh, Flanners, Flanners can do no wrong. We love we love Flanners on this show. Well, even even if it takes me a year to watch uh, Haunting of Hill House, I tell you. Yeah, he's 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 making a. Paul's getting up and leaving the cinema after about twenty minutes. I'll be back. <laughs> and then I come back eight months later, and it's not on anymore. I'm like, what? I never finished it one time. But um, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to Doctor Sleep. Uh, it's The Shining plus Mike Flanagan. How can it go wrong? Um, super good. Uh, and then I had a little double feature for myself, and I watched Hereditary and Midsummer back to back. Um, 
so I re- I really like both of them. Let me say that first and foremost. I think I liked Midsummer a little bit, or Midsummer. I keep calling it Midsummer because that's what Mark Kermo calls it on his podcast. It's Midsummer, is, is what it's called. It's just, yeah, they say it's weird because I see loads of people pronounce it like with a hard A. Yeah, they say Midsummer in the film many, many times. I know. Midsummer. Um, I think I like Midsummer a little bit more, and explain why. So, Hereditary. I thought had a really, really good, like last thirty minutes, um, and I thought it had a really, really boring first hour thirty, uh, with a few exceptions. To be fair, there's a few things that happen in it that are um, surprising and typical of a, of a movie of its kind, right? But in a general sense, I thought the first hour thirty was just—I was bored by it, and I was. Ready for a movie, I was ready for Hereditary to be, you know, something like, uh, along the lines of The Babadook, which is similarly uh, a movie about a family and about, you know, mental illness and hits those similar, you know, themes. But um, just the the first hour and a half is so, so slow. And it's, you know, the mother just meets this woman in a supermarket and they go to the house and she's serving her tea and... I understand, having seen the whole movie, that there's certain things that have to be set up, but I just thought it was too slow, and I, I, I was waiting to be scared, you know, because, like I said, watching The Joker the other week, and also watching The Shining, when I watch a movie which is, for intents and purposes, a horror movie, I want to feel, you know, on edge throughout. I want to have my heart pumping in anticipation of what's going to happen. And I was just kind of bored by Hereditary, to be honest. Uh, I think in that last half hour, even though it doesn't really end in a super satisfying way, I think that last half hour got that kind of physical reaction from me where stuff started happening and I did feel a little bit on edge, you know? But um, I, I just didn't enjoy enough of it. So I... I, I it's- go ahead. It's, it's, it's really weird because before you get into Midsummer. I liked them both, uh, but I feel like most of your takes on Hereditary I would probably apply to Midsummer myself. Okay. Um, I I wouldn't say I was ever bored. I, I think that movie's way too weird to be boring. Uh, but I I do think it it I was waiting for for the entire first half of that movie. I was waiting for it to kick up in a gear, and I don't and I think I don't think it quite did until the very end. Whereas Hereditary, I have not brought myself around to watching uh, since the cinema because I the, the sense of just the sense of dread and just kind of uncomfortableness the whole way through I thought was really unsettling although I, I, I would admit that they are it, it, it is, it's a lot of uh, uh, stylistic and, and kind of tonal dread rather than things happening mm. I think it was just that it was a little too slow for me to get going hereditary especially in the middle section, you know, obviously in the first half hour, let's say, it's it's slow. There's there's one thing, notably, that happens, but after that, when you expect it to kind of kick up, it, it kind of slows down even more for a while before it then picks up towards the end. And uh, I mean, in the last half hour, there was stuff that I thought was really, really effective, and ultimately, the way it goes without spoiling anything, I think it's it, it kind of... It, it, it took a really unique idea and then ended up going walking down the, the well-worn path. 
<laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. I was like, oh, this again. Okay. <laughs> it's a bit of a shame because it does things for sure that are unique, surprising, grisly, grotesque, etc. Um, probably not one for you, Joe, to be honest. Um, or maybe it is. <laughs> Wait, is it ghosties or um, just or gore? Yeah, it's getting a little bit ghosty. <laughs> not, not too ghosty. Yeah, more, a little bit of gory as well. Um, also, Midsommar. Jesus. I'll tell you, my, my gore threshold is getting real good these days because four, five years ago, I would have turned off these movies um, given some of the stuff that happens in them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just... I, I, I liked it. I, I I for sure would recommend it, but I I kind of feel like it was a missed opportunity to to uh, that I could have enjoyed it more, you know, because I think it was too slow in the first three quarters of the movie, and then I think it's really good for like twenty five minutes, and then it doesn't quite stick the landing at the end. Um, this isn't one of my you know the last five minutes are fucking horrible reviews, but at the end I was kind of huh okay <laughs> rather than oh my god. Uh, Midsommar, I kind of feel directly inverse about it than I do about Hereditary, where I feel like, I think Midsommar peaked too early for me. And then it kind of drifted on towards the end. Um, so in Midsommar, of course, is about these uh, 20-somethings, including Florence Pugh from WWE's page from Fighting With My Family. <laughs> from WWE's page. <laughs> from WWE's book. And um, there's one foot in the grave. <laughs> um, and they go to this Swedish retreat for uh, essentially for a holiday. And weird shit starts happening. So uh, there's there's the certain things that the, this commune do um, obviously if you've seen movies like The Wicker Man uh, Apostle which is on Netflix, and in fact I think Apostle is better than Midsummer. Um, it's definitely a setup that is again, like the ending of Hereditary, it's kind of retreading well-worn ground, the old uh, weird cult, it's a cult movie basically, Um and the first kind of exposure of the characters to this culty, ritualistic uh, group, I thought was like the best scene in the movie. And the most effective scene in the movie. Um, and from then, I'm like, oh my god, if this is what's fucking happening now. This is going to get fucking crazy. Uh, no, but that's the, that's the climax of the movie, basically. Because everything after that feels a little lesser and a little less extreme. Um, uh, but it it kind of held my attention throughout, and I thought it was pretty compelling. Um, even if the best part of it wasn't kind of towards the end, like it was with Hereditary. Um, also, I think we didn't really get to spend time with the characters enough to really connect with them or feel much for them as various bad things happen or don't happen. Um, so, 
And also, given that quite a lot of what happens throughout the movie is kind of implied rather than shown on screen, I guess that felt a little even more anticlimactic to me. Mm. And uh, and then the ending of the movie um, is to, was to me too similar to other movies that are in the same kind of ballpark, where I was like, "Oh, we're 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 literally doing this again <laughs> from from that other movie." Okay, um, it, it, but it, again, it was it was good. It was suitably weird. I thought it looked great. Um, I thought that little commune. Yes was a perfect setting for this kind of movie. Because even movies that you would compare this to, like, obviously, Wicker Man, um, and then the other Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage in it, uh, where you get bees on his head and that, uh, and Apostle. Those movies aren't necessarily great-looking movies, nor do they take place in places that look unique. Like, Wicker Man is just on this normal-looking kind of Scottish island. Um, Apostle's... I don't remember where Apostle takes place, but it kind of looks a little bit like Wicker Man. Whereas this had like kind of a, at least had a unique setting to it. I liked how the architecture of the buildings was kind of all off. Like the the roof wasn't on straight; it was kind of sloped, and they had this weird like yellow triangle building down towards uh, the end of the commune. Everything was just a little bit, a little bit off and a little bit strange, but. um like I say, I think it peaked a little bit too early, and then towards the end, I think it kind of dragged on a little bit too much. But I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I watched the scariest movie of the week, uh, Shazam. Ah, oh, come on now. I like. I liked Shazam. I liked Shazam. Um, I thought it was. I thought it was very likable. And I thought it was very charming, and I thought it was funny. I did it. It, it did seem kind of run in the bill to me. I, I didn't love it. And here's a nitpick for you, right? And to be fair, it's a nit. It's not even a nitpick. It's just a really unfair criticism of the film that has nothing to do with the film. I couldn't get out of my head that um, Zachary Levi looks a little bit too much like Jimmy Fallon, and I fucking hate Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> that is an absolutely bizarre criticism I'll be honest <laughs> I agree but every he just looked too much like Jimmy Fallon I'm like oh there's that cunt Fallon again um, no I, I like I like Shazam like I said I thought it was very cutesy and very n- nice it was a nice little film I mean it had a really good heart to it, it, it I, I, I feel like it's the least cynical a superhero film has felt in about 20 years. <laughs> but aside from the, the the cutesiness and aside from the kind of fish-out-of-water stuff, I think at its foundation, at its structural foundation, I just found it a run-of-the-mill superhero movie with a, a, another kind of boring villain... Uh, horrible CGI monsters and stuff that you just see in every one of these movies these days. Mm. So at least yeah. at least it had stuff that kind of set it apart from the pack. With you know, I I, I did like the Zachary Levi and his little um, crutch friend. 
going around and discovering what the powers are. Like, that stuff was fun. But when it got into, like, the superhero-y stuff, it was just this, an, 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 another Ant-Man or another Thor. It's just another one of those movies. It, 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 it was, at the same time as it being kind of having, having a good heart and having humor to it, which a lot of these, especially the DC films, don't have, it, it, it also felt a little bit checklisty. And <laughs> I was so hoping at the end that they weren't going to have a, a Man of Steel-esque fight where they're, like, fighting through the sky. They kind of do. And so I, I, I liked it, but I kind of felt that it wasn't really anything special. Uh, and that's all the movies I watched this week. Don't watch Caddyshack. Uh, it's rubbish. Well, no, I wasn't going to watch that. And watch The Shining. Curious- it's great. Well, yes, we will watch the shiny anyway, of course. Uh, oh, sorry, I... sorry. Before you go, I also watched the shinning. Uh, oh, really? That's that's a, a, a tradition here. Is when whenever we watch the shining, we have to immediately afterwards watch the shinning um, <laughs> from Treehouse of Horror Five. Uh, that might that might be the best parody of anything ever. It's so perfect, especially after you've just watched the shining. Anyway, go ahead, Barry. Uh, I watched some movies. Um, uh, I'm trying to get through as many of the Halloween movies as I can this month. Uh, so I rewatched Halloween 1, which I saw a long, long time ago. I, it's my first time watching it in quite a few years. Um, I would have trouble disputing Paul's claim from recent memory on this podcast where he said that's a boring film. I think it is a largely boring film. I think its influence is obvious but I think it is quite, quite, quite dull. Um, I agree. Uh, you know, some some uh, imagery and music, and you know, music especially, that's quite iconic. But yeah, uh, especially since I remember finishing it, and I was like, was I not paying attention, or did they not stress that she's his sister? Yeah, they, they don't, that's, not, that's not in Halloween one. That's not in Halloween. So... On top of, like, not being especially, you know, interesting or compelling, I think that's actually part of it is because you don't, it's like he, you know, the thing about, you know, Michael Myers in these movies is he kind of just seems to kind of go about randomly, like some people get away and some people don't, some people he, he has the opportunity to kill, but he doesn't, it's like, but no point is it ever explained why this one girl uh, he's going after. Uh, so it's quite dull. I think the second half of it is okay. Uh, uh, picks up a little bit, um, and uh, I, I didn't hate it or anything. But yes, it's it's not something that has held up in my opinion. Uh, and I then, for the first time, watched Halloween Two, the uh, uh, the original Halloween Two, and that movie was kind of stupider than Halloween One. It's very goofy, like straight away. They kind of uh, got into you know really amping up this uh, 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 this this character in this franchise because in the first movie it's kind of just at the very end where you start to question the humanity of Michael Myers because he's shot six times and he falls out of the balcony and then they look over the the, the window threshold and he's gone and that's where the movie ends but then. <laughs> In this movie, he, he is just straight up basically supernatural, and, and uh, he's, like, uh, stabbed and hit and, and 
and his hands get shoved in boiling water, and uh, he's shot in both his eyes, but he doesn't die. Like like, so so Halloween two, they go straight for the. And then the referee stops the match. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, so there's a lot of that, um, uh, what's interesting is that I didn't, so I had never seen this movie before. So prior to this, the movies I saw were Halloween one, Halloween H2O, which is the one from 20 years later. I believe it's the seventh film. That's with LL Cool. Uh, Hall- with, uh, I can't remember. Um, I think Josh, so. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, yes, I remember that. And that's the first time, something this franchise has done a hilarious amount, that's the first time where they said, okay, ignore all the sequels, because I think in Halloween H2O it's supposed to be uh, like Halloween 1 happened and then ignore all those sequels, right? Um, And then I saw Halloween Resurrection, which I think has Buster Rhymes in it. That is a horrendous (laughs) piece of shit. Uh, (laughs) Buster Rhymes! Uh, and then I skipped both the Rob Zombie ones, and then I saw them. I saw the most recent movie that they just called Halloween, but it's not a reboot because that one also acknowledges the existence of the first film. So it it it, it ignores all the sequels, and then it also ignores the film from ten years ago where they were like, "Oh no, ignore all the sequels." It ignores that one too, and the reboot. Anyway, Halloween two. Uh, Halloween 2 picks up immediately after Halloween 1, and so it's basically Michael Myers going to the hospital where Jamie Lee Curtis's character is recovering and continuing to terrorize her, and it's okay. Like I said, it's dumber, but it's kind of, it's goofiness means there's more stuff happening, and it's a little bit more watchable, Hmm. Uh, and it's not goofy to the point where it's like some kind of like really shit camp horror sequel. So I I went three stars on both of those films. I think they balanced out to the point they were both uh, watchable enough horrors. Uh, another rewatch. Uh, I watched Hocus Pocus, uh, which is, of course, a uh, you know a, a classic uh, family film of the season. Um, it's funny because Disney Plus just announced all the stuff that's going to be on their streaming service, or most of the stuff that's going to be on their streaming service this week, and there was quite a lot. Uh, Hocus Pocus will be on there, of course. Uh, there was quite a lot of absolute, like no-name live-action dreck from the mid-90s and 2000s, films you've never heard of, things that look like they were made uh, for direct-to-TV. Um, and as I, and I, they announced that, and then I just happened to be watching Hocus Pocus again. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, if not for Bette Midler, like, really, really, really having it up, like, going full panto, just being as, as, as like, over-the-top as humanly possible, I think this movie would be in that mix of forgotten live-action Disney shit that they just sort of farted mm-hmm. out 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> when, like, before, before they were a live-action powerhouse where they were making CGI remakes of their cartoons and all the Marvel stuff, like, back when they did just make weird stuff like this. Because uh, it's... I, I would three stars on that one as well. It's really not any kind of you know comedy classic or anything like that it's just a it is a watchable halloween family movie with a really really fun central performance it's really nothing special um but it's 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 watchable it's it's watchable and it's a fine uh, tradition if you want to watch it uh, uh once a year uh i really watched wolf creek uh which is kind of one of my favorite uh modern 
sort of slasher horror things. Yeah. Uh, this is another one that I, I really, really like, but I have not watched in a great number of years. Um, I forgot how uh, thoroughly upsetting this movie is once it gets to the once it gets to the business part of the uh, of the movie. Very, very, very slow setup. It really takes its time uh, establishing the protagonists who are, are backpacking across uh, Australia, uh, having them get into the circumstances where they need assistance of the the antagonist, setting up who the antagonist is, setting up the the. the I think it's about. I think the movie is about halfway through before. Uh, one of the protagonists wakes up from being drugged and realizes, oh shit, this guy's a murderer. Uh, it, like, it really, I forgot how much it's dragged out. And then it goes from zero to 100 miles an hour. It's, I was watching with a, 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 a lady um, who had not seen this before. And this movie is really, really uncomfortable to watch with another person, especially if they haven't seen it before. It's very, it's very, very, it's a very extreme movie. Uh, and, and it's, 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 from the early 2000s in that era when it when there was a lot of uh you know hand wringing about torture porn and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and i can definitely see how this would be part of it it's it's very very uncomfortable in places but i do think it's i do think it's not shock for shock's own sake i think it's really well made i think so. i think my man would like pass out if she watched this movie um <laughs> Uh, it's quite. It's really horrible, uh, but you know, if you can, if you can stomach it, it's uh, probably not it's one for awesome. me. To be honest, there might be more for I don't to try. Think, I don't think so. I yeah, it's. Um, I don't think it's as oh, as well. This is the case of like most of these movies, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the best example. I, I don't think it's as overtly gory as as you as I maybe thought watching it back. Uh, but it's it's more uh, tonal and and and. Uh, Although that's, just, that being said, Mid Midsummer had a lad's head getting caved in with a Bray Wyatt mallet. Yeah, that's pretty. Funny. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, Wolf Creek. If you can stomach it, Wolf Creek's a, a, a great watch. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's it ain't easy. And speaking of ain't easy, I rewatched. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, I rewatched Scary Movie Two. Uh, oh. That was the one that was on Netflix. Um, just, just absolutely torturous. <laughs> just, <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking painful. I rewatched. I think two Halloweens ago, I rewatched the first one, and bits of it were still kind of good. But overall, it was like bad, and I was like, eh, this hasn't held up. That's a shame." I liked it when I was, you know, nine when it came out. <laughs> uh, scary movie too. This is like I, I'm looking here on Letterboxd. I gave it one star. I believe you can give movies half stars. I should yeah. probably give it half star. It is an absolutely abysmal movie. It is. So so, so, so horrendous. Um, uh, just, I, I, I uh, like, I remember the first movie had, um, obviously it had the was up scene, right? Yeah. This, uh, oh, other than that, it's... I bet these, those scary movies must be just the most aged. Oh, I can't even, if scary movie one had was up, what does two have? Uh, two uh, has like so the reason I reference the was up is because the was up is like one of a small handful of non-horror references in that movie but generally right. speaking it's sticking kind of close to its slasher movie 
you know, roots, and it's got a Blair Witch parody and stuff like this. Scary Movie 2 has so many references that are literally just references to, like, early 2000s stuff. Like, there's the the basketball scene, which is a, a play on the, the, I can't even, I think it was a Nike commercial at the time. Charlie's Angels, just like, oh my god. Just, it, it's such a time capsule. And there's there's so little to the joke beyond just that the reference is being made. That's the joke. The joke is that we're referencing this thing. And and the, the other version, the, there's two jokes in the movie. There's that, and there's like a disgusting bodily fluids gross out joke. Like those are literally the two jokes, and you're hammered with them for uh, uh, for basically 90 minutes. Um, it's, it's absolutely, it is like, it's so 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 bad um because i i like the thing about these movies is that like not only are they so referential and and of the time but then when there is actual jokes i mean it's like the the movie is like it's it's the bare minimum effort the credits started rolling and first of all harry weinstein was in the executive producer credits so this is one of the worst crimes he's ever been associated with And, and and second of all this film had like eight writers. It was like I was like, how the fuck did it like like this movie? It really did, were the eight of them get together and just decide what references they would put into it, and then one of them would write the actual jokes. I mean, it was just so bad. And I, you know, I, I like I said, I was just looking for something you know uh, Halloween themed to watch, and this is the one that happened to be on Netflix, so I watched it. I certainly will not be doing any kind of scary movie rewatch anytime soon. And I'll tell you what, I've seen a handful of them already. But one thing I've never seen and I never will watch is any of the the epic movie, the disaster movie. I You would literally have to pay me. If we ever set up a Patreon for this show and it was like, we'll do bonus shows on the Patreon. If people paid me to watch disaster movie, I maybe would. But never in a million years would I would I w- would choose to watch that stuff. So uh, Scary Movie 2 can fuck off forever. Well, I know what uh, we're doing for our Christmas commentary this year. Oh, you'd absolutely not. Oh no, it's not. It has to be Christmassy. Uh, is there actually is there a, a Christmas movie from the Wayne's Brothers? Probably. There probably is. Actually, I'm sorry I said that though. Uh, yeah, I, I think I've I've I remember. I think the first scary movie I ever saw was the third one, and I thought I thought it was all right. This was not- I remember that one being okay. I'm, it is also on Netflix. I'm terrified to rewatch it because I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I'd say I'm sure it's shit. But I remember it was, when I when would that come out? Like, oh, the pins. Um, 2003, some something like that. So I would have been about 14, 15 when it came out. And I remember it being pretty good for a 14 year old. I thought it was okay. Um, and then I then I watched two, and I thought it was shit. So, if I thought it was shit when I was 14, when I had just the yeah. worst taste in movies, I'm sure watching it today, I'd I'd shit my pants watching it, probably. And that probably happens in the movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a ghost just shit my pants! What's your ghost shit? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Joe. What movies? Uh, I've seen a few movies. Um, first thing I watched was Rocket Man, the Elton John biopic, yeah. uh, which is now available to rent. 
um, so gave that a go. Uh, it wasn't that good, to be honest. I was expecting it to be a lot better. Um, it's quite a kind of fun movie, and there's a lot of sort of silly scenes and funny bits that, that I quite enjoyed. And obviously, the music's great. It's all the kind of Elton John classics. That kind of, I wasn't. It sounds stupid, but I wasn't expecting it to be a kind of full-on musical. Yeah, I thought it was going to be more of a rock biopic. You know, that has the songs in it, but not sort of integrated into the scenes as such. Right. But that's kind of what it was like right from the beginning. You know that. It starts by going back to his childhood, and they have him and his parents kind of singing one of Ellen's classic songs, and it kind of carries on like that. Yeah. And um, that that was fine, and you kind of enjoy the music. Um, but but it was, it was quite a frothy film. Um, it, even though it deals with his drug addiction, um, and it's kind of spiraling down during the seventies, early eighties. Uh, it's quite glib. It doesn't really kind of take you on any kind of journey. I did really enjoy the relationship between him and Bernie Taupin, who's his uh, lyricist, who's worked with since the start of his career, who's played by Jamie Bell. Mm -hmm. Um, That that relationship was very interesting. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember his name, the lead guy. uh, Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton, yeah. He's not great. Um, I thought he was pretty good in this. You think... I think it was. I think it was fine. But I don't think he's one of those actors who's gonna, you know, trouble the academy anytime soon. Um, well, they love. Yeah, I, uh, they love a bit of music biopic lately. Yeah, and gay as well. So. Gay as well. Wacky teeth as well. So he's ticking. Yeah, costumes. Yep, yep, yep. Not dead. Um, no, maybe. Well, I'll give it. Yeah. <laughs> When's the Oscars? February. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you like Elton John. If you're really into Elton John, give that a watch. But I'm sure it was still better than the Queen musical. But oh, absolutely! Uh, Did you not see Bohemian Rhapsody? I've not bothered watching that. Oh, it's, no. it's it's trash. It's garbage. Rocket Man though did have some bits that I quite liked. Where, um, like the where he's uh, playing at the piano, and he starts kind of flowing. Like there's, yeah. there's some bits that are like that that kind of to me made it a little bit more special but yeah conversely there are bits where i kind of rolled my eyes where he see the little boy at the bottom of the is the swimming pool and he's yeah saying oh, it's a little bit it's a little bit silly in it it's a little bit silly <laughs> this scene in the film <laughs> um yeah oh and his mother's accent as well it's um What's her name? Ron Howard's daughter. She's doing a British accent. It is horrendous. Ronda Reggie! Reggie, dear, come here. Oh, my God, it's really bad. Oh, by the way, uh, there's a, an actress in Caddyshack who plays an Irish for a character. Oh, God. And of course, it's fucking... Feel for how you doing, lad? Oh, my God. She, one, one step up from full-on leprechaun. Christ. <laughs> Um, so yeah, kind of thumbs in the middle, vaguely pointing up for Rocket Man. Uh, yesterday we watched an old movie, uh, Moonstruck, with Cher and Nicolas Cage. Um, never seen it before. Cher and Nicolas Cage, Jesus. Cher and Nicolas Cage in the same movie, so that sold me on it. It was um, strange because it was a very successful movie in terms of um, awards. It, Cher, I think Cher won the Academy Award, uh, and there were lots of other nominations. I thought it was it was kind of fun movie. 
um, Cher kind of plays against type as quite a sort of mousy, very kind of quiet um, sort of, you know, woman in New York with a very brash Italian family. Um, I quite enjoyed it, but I'm not quite sure um, why it was that kind of well fated. It's, it reminded me of like my big fat Greek wedding, uh, but with Italians. That was basically it. So it, it was fine, but didn't leave much of a much of an impression on me. Big fat Italian wedding. Me big fat Italian wedding. Oh, Baba the boopy. Um, and then <clears throat> the, th- the other thing we watched was. Uh, a documentary on Amazon Prime uh, called Too Funny to Fail. Um, this was a really good watch. This was very interesting. It was about the Dana Carvey show, mm. um, which was a sketch, co- sketch show on US TV in 1996. So Dana Carvey was, of course, <clears throat> one half of, um, of Wayne's World duo, Wayne and Garth. Yeah. Um, he was on Saturday Night Live for years. It was a huge, huge, incredibly popular um Comedian, very famous sketches. Um, he eventually left SNL in sort of 1995. Um, was the kind of toast of the town. Everyone was talking about, oh, what's he going to do next? He decided he wanted to do a sketch show, primetime sketch show. He went to ABC, which was kind of an interesting choice because that was very kind of family network. Sort of kind of schmaltzy sitcoms like Home Improvement and things like that. Um, but they went they had this this sketch show in prime time they kind of went out they had kind of free reign because he was so big at the time he kind of just they did what they wanted and he hired a lot of kind of up-and-coming talent so steve carell uh stephen colbert uh, louis ck were all kind of on the writing team and uh performing on the show as well so it was real kind of um you know before they were famous kind of who's who it was like ring of honor in 2005 basically and <laughs> um, and so then, of course, um, the show was a complete disaster. And <laughs> the ratings, the critics, uh, everything kind of fell apart. Um, but actually watching a lot of the sketches in it, they, they are really, really good. Like, I've never been a fan of Saturday Night Live. I've never really understood the appeal of it or ever seen a funny sketch on that show. Um, but this was, was really, really good. They really kind of pushed the envelope and did some really weird stuff, um, which I thought was great. But obviously, um, ABC on a Thursday night following Home Improvement, um, they kind of turned off millions of people. Um, but they get they get everyone in. They get Steve Carell, Steve Colbert in. Uh, not Louis C.K. I don't think he was available. Um, but they get everyone else who worked on the show back together and do kind of talking heads and kind of recap the whole experience really 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 interesting and, and funny uh, documentary so i'll give that two big thumbs up tally's film of the week too funny to fail amazon prime yeah i was listening amazon to prime. um dana carvey was doing a, a podcast series there with conan o'brien mm. uh, did like a conan o'brien off the back of his podcast he does they did a little six-part comedy podcast it was very good and of course, you can't mention Dana Carvey without mentioning Master of the Skies, that one film he did, as if his career wasn't dead enough, uh, 2002 film, uh, where he played, and get this, if you've not heard of Master of the Skies, his character's name was Pistachio Disguise. Hmm. Anyway. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's a shame Danny Kane. He's very funny. And whereas he uh, is, he is a very funny guy. Whereas Mike Myers went on, of course, to star in um, Halloween and Austin Powers. Um, Dana Carvey, he didn't really do anything after that. I think kind of. Mike Myers was also in Bohemian Rhapsody. Who did he play? Uh, Freddie. Record exec. No, because you remember in Wayne's World when there's the Bohemian Rhapsody bit. So they got, oh, him, they got him in. They got him in. Yeah. And his character makes reference to it. Oh, God. Oh, I nearly no. puked when, I, when he came up. <laughs> uh, he's also That's in Glorious me. Bastards, which is a weird, another weird casting choice. Yeah. Only Hitler. Uh, worse, I think. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Mike Myers also killed off his own career. So don't worry about that. Uh, there you go. A very long movie guff this week, folks. Woof. That might be a record. Might be, yeah. Uh, Alright, before we move on to the emails, do we have a feature we want to do? We do. We do have a little feature. Um, listeners from last week will remember that we had a special edition of Songs of Rays, brought to you by Townie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone emailed in any answers. Well, I haven't read Scott's email yet. Let me just check Scott's email in case he got any... Uh, just uh, you know, talk yourself. I'm doing this. Well, I've I've got uh, one of the songs. I know what one you of the got songs one. is. Yeah. B- Barry, Barry, Barry thinks he knows two. If if I remember last week's show, I can't. I can't remember the clip. To be honest, I need to hear it again. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll get it queued up now. Um. So no, no entry. So we'll um. I'll just get it ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. There it is. Did you get that? Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll play it again. <laughs> okay. I, one more. I know for sure the first. Got yeah. Okay. I know for sure so the Paul, first. you think you know the first one? For sure. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Barry, you, have you I got any I, others? I know for sure the last one. You got play the last it again? one. Okay. Yeah. Any ideas? A little bit. I feel like I kind of know of the, but no, I can't. Uh, it's it's one of those right. annoying ones where I recognise it, but don't know who did it. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll um, we'll go through. I'll give you some clues to the other two, see if we can get them. Okay, so that well, was. Do we want to do we want to do it now? Yeah, we can do it now. Well, maybe maybe. All right, that's listeners. Pause if you want to. If you can fork it out yourself now, right? But me and. Maybe me and Barry as a team can see if we can get it rather than against each other. How about that? Okay. Because I know I know one, and Barry lose. knows. Well, well, do you want us to be against each other? No, come on. I only know one of them. <laughs> I don't know the rest of them. All right, okay. So the phrase is, ooh, a little bit of the bubbly. Yeah. Um, so that's four songs. Uh, the ooh, Paul, do you, know where, do you know where that's from? I think the ooh is from... Uh, outcast Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Oh, you're correct. It's oh, Miss Jackson. Sorry. It's um, sorry, Miss Jackson. Ooh, I am for real. Um, okay, so the second second part is a little bit. 
Can we hear the clip again? Just for a little bit. A little bit. Oh, gosh. Had the tune there. A little bit. It's a song from the 70s. Uh, a little bit. Uh, the, the, I'll give you the name of the... I'll give you the first initial of the band. It's S. 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 Okay, I, that 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 fucks my guess, which is going to be a little bit of respect by Erasure. No, 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 no. <laughs> a little bit closer, baby. That's a Spice Girls song from the nineties. Um, a little bit. This is going to be one where we, I think we're kicking ourselves. I think you you'll know the song. Yeah. What's what's give up? What's the next word oh. after a little bit? Off. God. I might need the artist. That might give it away though. Um. Yeah, I mean that does give it. The artist is Super Trump. Oh. It's quite a well-known song, but I didn't know who had done it. To look it up, it might be. Yeah, it might be one of those where it's. I'll give it to you. It's "Give a Little Bit" by uh, Supertramp. Oh. And the song goes, "Give a little bit, give a little bit of your love to me." Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's, it's a band we've mentioned today. A little bit of the... Of the... Mentioned today. Ooh. From, a, from a very famous song. Uh, oh, maybe Hot Fuss, maybe, or The Darkness? I know we mentioned them. Of the... Older, older band than that. Oh. Give, give us a blast of it. Give it to you once more. Definitely sounds familiar. Of the gives gives the initial Q Queen ah uh, of the yeah world we is it we are the champions yeah we are ah, the champions shit. of the world super annoying that one was really obvious ah. play it again <laughs> just so we can now hear it with knowing ears all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's so easy. Should have got it. Should have got it. Yeah. Okay, and the fourth song, "Bubbly." Barry, you know this one. Yeah, it's um, uh, "Love" Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, "Love" for Kendrick Lamar. Great song. Great song. Um, my favorite. My favorite on that album, I think. Feeling lovely, sipping on bubbly. Love. Yeah. Anyway, right on that's not bad. Two, two out of four. I think that was very good, yeah. 
Yeah, that was good. That was. I really enjoyed that. I think. I think. I think our inability to get that is entirely our fault. I think that was a good selection of songs by you there. I think we're running out of wrestling catchphrases now, though. <laughs> there haven't been any good ones in twenty years. So. Coming next week, it's believe that. Shouldn't take me too long to put that together. Mm. Um. Mm. Anyway. Speaking of emails, <laughs> which we were. We totally were. I have an email from Scott McAvoy. He says, Good evening, Paul. While listening to your review of Joker, you kept referring to the movie as a superhero movie. Who was the superhero in the film? <laughs> what superpower does the Joker have? Okay. Okay, Scott, you got me. I was referring, in a general, reductive sense, to the genre of the movie. There's not actually a superhero in it. Kind of. Uh, I'm, it's a comic book movie. To me, comic yeah. book movie, superhero movie are interchangeable terms, even if technically there's not a hero in it. Anyway. <laughs> From all the reviews I've heard, I'm wondering if this movie wouldn't... Thanks for saying, by the way, movie instead of film in your email, so I don't have to say film and sound like an Irish pleb. Uh, I'm wondering if this movie wouldn't have worked better without the Batman tie-in. You didn't see it, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Presumptive opinion. It may not have gotten the instant recognition as it did with the name Joker in front of it, but a movie about a man's slow descent into psychosis done well would have been a good film nonetheless. Interested in hearing your thoughts, Scott. P.S. No, I didn't go see the movie. I had last week off, and I didn't see the point in wasting two hours. Scott, that's such a bad take, my brother. (laughs) It's a bad take. We said this to Scott last week. The like the pretense of of just not wanting this villain to have an ours. Sorry, I mean I get it, but like waste two hours for this insanely well made film. I mean, come on. Um. Yeah, I mean, if it was just a movie about a man's descent into psychosis, I think yeah, I think it would be as good. Uh, but but I think the 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 Joker emphasis being put on it does give it like an extra dimension of of importance and even more importantly gives it a a a bigger you know audience than just a a a kind of an indie film about a a, a crazy man would have got maybe oh we have a run-in from natalia she's just back from work and she had some York Natalia, hey, she's fucking walking. I'll kiss somewhere else, you fucking bum. She had some boojum on the way home, I hear. Some boojum? Yeah, that's like a Mexican restaurant, right? Yeah, Barry knows it. Barry knows it, yeah. <laughs> Barry's probably eaten there once or twice, am I right? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I mean, I, I just, a, a, a fucking burrito bowl? What are you talking about? Wrap it in a fucking tortilla. Um, I'm also a joker now. <laughs> uh, Scott, Joker movie is really good. I'm sorry to say, um, you're not forced to see it. You don't have to see it. And I, like Barry said, I think we we understand your criticism and concern about mm-hmm. characters who don't need origin stories 
having movies that very clearly spell out how they came to be the way they are. Nonetheless, they're also this one's also self-contained anyway, so it's not like it's not like it's um, stapling lore onto a movie you already like. It's it's instead. Although this is a weird thing. Um, uh, someone at work the other day says to me, "Oh, I saw that Joker. It's really good." I was like, "Yeah, it's really good." Yeah. She goes, "Oh, it makes so much sense now." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> the Joker is that way and I think she thought which to be fair if you're not a massively fucking that that is the origin of the Joker in a general sense you're not a a nerd who's online and knows about the different universes and what ties into what like if you just watched that and you thought this is a prequel to 2008's The Dark Knight like I I I think it well it doesn't really make sense because He's never on TV prior to that movie, yeah, which is kind he's of older, awesome. He's, he's older than Heath Ledger. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, I did think that was interesting. Yeah, and like it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a man who holds a lot of irrational opinions about movies, but I mean. Uh, you're also getting into a little bit, Scott, of if ifs and buts were candy and nuts. The fact is that it is a Joker movie, and it was only ever going to be one. So, you know, that's what it is. It's 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 a an extremely good one. And as far as origin stories go, it's an extremely good one, and one that doesn't feel superfluous or you know pointless. So, um, you're missing out. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, or you might see it and not like it, so I don't know. <laughs> totally up to you. Um, do yourself a favor, though, and don't watch Caddyshack. There you go. Uh, so, oh, hey! Oh. <laughs> Scott, you're right. You was about to joke. What's wrong with you? That's the one uh, email I got this week. Thank you very much. Scott. Uh, I also have an email from Scott. He says, uh, Good evening, Joe. Listening to last week's discussion on Hell in the Cell and the cell itself being red, I actually have an actual reason for it. The new Hell in the Cell cages are coated in a substance similar to rubber, which not only makes the impact of the cage less painful for the wrestlers, it makes it much less likely that there will be an accidental cut to someone involved. It's the same stuff they put on the elimination chamber fencing, just in a different colour. I thought he was going to say that they, they coat it with the same stuff they put on Nintendo Switch cartridges so children don't lick it. <laughs> it's a bright wire, it doesn't look good. Hey, come suck this cage! <laughs> it's, it's big, pull it out! Shuck it, quick! Um, also actually, I, I never thought also. about that, interestingly. Yeah, but why is it red? It still doesn't... I mean, Probably. yeah, I mean, it, it could be any colour, even with It could with be that, black, right? It's not just the... Yeah, true. I suppose it's... Um, I suppose hell is the the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, because hell is red. Correct. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, he also gives us a pick one. Um, three three very handsome actors. Um, Brian Gosling, Jared Leto, Man, now he's out already, baby. Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. Well, um, well, Scott, as a long-term listener, you got to know that there's a <laughs> A bias here. There's a. There's already a preference here that surely yeah, we're gonna uh, go with. 
It's probably because Jake Gyllenhaal's been in about 20 times as many good movies as his other lads. Well, yeah, that is, yeah. I don't think it's a bias. I think he's the best pick. Um, I don't even remember who the second one was, because as soon as Gyllenhaal came up, I was like, well, that's who it is, isn't it? Gosling, someone, and Gyllenhaal. Leto. He was good like, like one movie and a pompous cunt in every other one. Yeah, uh, like uh, Dallas Buyers Club is good and everything, but I'll live without it. Yeah. Um, he also does... He was in American Psycho and Fight Club, which is And he was in um, Suicide Squad, of course. Was he in Requiem for a Dream as well? Or am I yeah. imagining? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but he's. Oh, you can't pick Jared Leto, sure. He's just too much of a little fucking up his own <laughs> hole, little fucking. Dickhead, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Up his own he- whole dickhead. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, correct, but you know, um, up his own whole dickhead. <laughs> okay, sorry. Up his own hole, comma dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Gosling. I do like Gosling, oh, but. He he! That one scene in La La Land where he professes to love jazz and then sits in the front row and just talks while there's people on stage playing jazz. Um, I think disqualifies disqualifies him for me. Although Drive, of course, I love as well. I like Drive. Yeah, Gosling, sure. Big Short's good. I mean, yeah, look, Gosling's great, but he doesn't have he doesn't have the resume that uh, <laughs> you know has. Yeah, I, I I think Gyllenhaal had a really great period there for a couple of years where every movie that he brought out was, like, great. Um, I mean, no harm working with Denis Villeneuve for two or three movies in a row. <laughs> mm. They were all great. Um, Nightcrawler as well. Yeah, like, he made, in, in a row, in release order, right, five movies that I think are great. He made Source Code, End of Watch, Prisoners, oh, yeah. Enemy, Nightcrawler. That's a fucking run, ladies and gentlemen. And he was in Zodiac. And he was in Zodiac's Jarhead, Brokeback Mountain, Day After Tomorrow, which I like. A lot of people don't. I, I, I loved it. Donnie Darko. Oh, I loved uh, it. Nocturnal Animals. It's good. It's good. Wildlife. City Slickers. Sp- Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, like, yeah, like God, he, yeah. His range is really uh, great. And also, he's you know he's been around a while. He's been in a lot of bangers as well. Yeah, the the volume, uh, uh is good. And I'm gonna say he's probably the best looking of the tree as well. So, oh hello. If it's a handsome man competition, I'm Ooh, gonna give him a prize. Oh hello me. Oh hello. <laughs> <laughs> Ah. Well, let's just say if we were the last four men on Earth. Ooh. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Why did I not say the last four people? It's just us four men and all the women in the world. I'm like, Jill Hall, get that little ass over here. Just, and, and you're just shagging Jill Hall. Your, <laughs> your next role is a remake of Deliverance. Your girlfriend is still right there. And he's just. <laughs> No, I really I told you how much I like Nightcrawler. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Brokeback Mountain 2. 
And, uh, I have an email here from Scott. He says, last week during the quiz, I asked who said, I've been shit on before. And both you and Joe thought it was you that had said it, but it turned out to be Paul. Listening back this week, I now have to ask, what made you think you had been shit on before? Is there some dark secret you're keeping from the CSP family? Oh, I've been shit on by birds. <laughs> Barry, I don't want to know about what happens behind your closed doors. <laughs> oh, I have been shit on by aviary creatures. Ooh. What? Cool, what sexist. Fly. Um, uh, <laughs> what, what, what fly? Male or female birds. No, why, why did you have to quantify after you said aviary creatures? What fly? What? Ostrich doesn't count? Penguin. Yeah, uh, yes, I've never <laughs> been shot off by an ostrich. I imagine that would be quite the ordeal. That'd be unpleasant. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, uh, on the wrestling side, the ratings for both AEW and NXT have had two weeks to come out, and we know AEW is happy with their ratings right now. Do you think Vince is going to pull more talent from either of the shows to try and boost NXT, or do you think he barely notices what NXT does as long as USA is happy? Have a great week, Scott. Um, I don't know. My guess is I, I would probably say yes either more stars being moved or other strings being pulled to jig the numbers around a little bit. Um, I don't think they will... I don't think they'll be happy with NXT sliding the way it slides. I've been shocked by 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 the performance of NXT. Um, AEW, I would say, probably more par for the course. Started really strong. They've come down week by week. It looks to me like they're probably going to hover around the 1 million viewers mark for the foreseeable future, which I think is fine. Um, but NXT, I've the trouncing NXT has been taking on USA. I've honestly been shocked by. Hmm. Um, I imagine WWE was not expecting it either. Um, I think they thought it was their hot brand, their young people's brand, uh, hmm. and that is really not the case. Uh, I, I thought so it was going to be I more of an even split, this. to be fair. But I guess all the people who would watch NXT are watching AEW. <laughs> that's the that's the case, unfortunately. And, not to spoil the reviews coming up, but AEW has been consistently a more entertaining and exciting show. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's my email, by the way. That's my one email. So let's talk about the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. AEW uh, was, again, a more <laughs> exciting show than NXT was. Yes, yeah, um, and another just like really quick, easy watch. Yeah, um, we got two uh, tag tournament uh, rounds. Um, SCU advancing over Best Friends, and Lucha Brothers advancing over Mark Stunt Jungle Boy. Uh, so the show opened with uh, Pentagon and Phoenix going heel, which I did not expect to happen. No, uh, but I, I think. Certainly, Pentagon I think works better as a heel. Phoenix is interesting, but yeah, I think that was a good decision. Oh no, because they're they're kind of light on the heel side anyway, especially when it comes to tag teams. And it, it it makes me wonder. It makes me question the future of the Dark Order because, um, uh, like they were the big heel team that was getting the push. And they and they were the only real heels in in the team. Like obviously Angelico and Jack Evans, they're kind of you know they're a jabroni team. They're not going to be winning anything. But Dark Order's like the heels were getting pushed. Now it's like you've the you know two of the biggest stars in the company so far. Now they're heels. Um, 
I, I, I might, if I was a betting man, I'd be switching my bet from from the Dark Order to Lucha Brothers to win the whole thing. I would imagine. Yeah, not only two of the biggest stars, but one of them being maybe the best wrestler in the world right now in Phoenix. Um, and uh, I think I think a lot of people would like the Super Smash Brothers to do well, but this gimmick isn't it. It really isn't, and they're not going to. AEW is not going to succeed if they keep if they dig their heels on 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 stuff like that. That's not working. Mm. Uh, we'll see. But yeah, they. Laid out, I really enjoyed the angle. They laid out Christopher Daniels. He. They said later on in the broadcast he was going to be okay to wrestle, but that he at the at the time when he was laid out he was not cleared to have his match. So Scorpio Sky in his uh, in his civilian clothes uh, entered the match, which was really great. Um, he. Um, he, I really liked him on AEW Dark, which I'm watching on, on their YouTube. It's a lot of fun. Um, he had uh, a really great performance here as well, uh, wrestling in, in his shoes and then not in his shoes, um, and they picked up the win. I, I really enjoyed that. I think I, I'm enjoying SCU quite a bit on, on this show. Yeah. I don't have much more to say than that. Yeah, I mean... They're solid, but I mean, at the same time, they're they're kind of like the veteran team, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with Daniels and Kazarian, who've been around, you know, forever. Um, uh, sticking with the tag team tournament, what did you make of the of the controversial Marco Stunt's uh, uh, presence in the, in the other tag team tournament match? Well, what was controversial about it? Uh, people think Stunt is too small, and he got too much offense on Pentagon. Okay, I, I didn't get that feeling at all during the match, but okay. believe it or not, I, I, this is not a controversy okay. I buy into. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I would. I wouldn't have thought that other than reading it on Twitter. To be honest. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing about it. Because I watched that match and I thought that was perfect for what it was. Because generally, I thought like Pentagon killed him. Pentagon was throwing him around at one end. Pentagon was uh, spinning around by his head at one point. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a great use of Marco Stunt. I think he's I think he's great in that role. And I and like you said earlier, really shine the light on how good Pentagon is as a heel. It was like the best match of the night as well on either show. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Wait, no, I prefer the main event. I prefer the main event. Main event was very good, but uh main event had had a an extremely dissatisfying finish, which I think took away from it a little bit. Especially uh, when the promotion pushes itself as you're not going to be getting that bullshit non-finishes over here, brother. And the main event has Jack Swagger pushing someone off the top row, for fuck's sake. Um, no, main event was great as well. I thought Darby Allen looked... He's great. He's great. And I know he he does on, on the on the indies his, you know, handcuff gimmick. I've, I've never seen it before, so I was like, fuck, he did a moonshot with his handcuffs on. Uh, I thought, yeah, that was great. And Jericho did a great job of uh, of getting him over. So it's thumbs up all around. I'm, I'm, I'm really like. Hey. So I was saying, I thought it was a decent show, um, but nothing that kind of stood out as much as the um, the private party match from last week. It's kind of just solid all the way through. Nothing yeah. like. Well, you're not going to have bangers every week. Why the. Fuck no! They only wrestle once a week. Come on. <laughs> well, maybe next week you'll because um, you have the semi-finals of the tag tournament are both next yeah. week. Yeah, right? I'm looking forward to that. 
That'll be fun. Private Party Lucha Brothers. That's got me. Oh, it's got me excited. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I'm in. I'm up for that one. Um, tag wrestling. It's interesting that, given that they do AW Dark and that, how much or how many of the, like the main stars aren't on week to week. I was I was like kind of surprised by that. That there was no Cody this week. There were no Young Bucks this week. Like you, you would think, given that this is their weekly show, that they mm. wouldn't, you know, rotate so much. Like like NXT did, but NXT has the yeah. has a hundred and fifty people under contract, or whatever. You'd think that AW, given that they're the new brand, that they would not be so much in to the side of giving everyone their time and more focused on, you know, getting their superstars over. You know, have having them be kind of on every week. I think they yeah, also don't weird. burn through all their stuff, you know. Yeah, but if like if I was a huge, I don't know, Kenny Omega fan, for example, and um, funny trivia for you, by the way, Hocus Pocus, directed by Kenny Ortega, maybe it's Kenny Kenny Omega's brother. Um, and I'm watching, yeah, and I'm watching for Kenny Omega, and then. He's just not on one week. I'll be like, well, what the fuck? Where the fuck was Kenny Omega? Why is he not on TV? Like, if you're watching... I, I hate to be that guy who's like, well, back in the attitude era, but, you know, you're watching Raw and fucking Stone Cold's not on. You're like, what the fuck? Where's the fuck Stone Cold? Oh, he did a dark segment afterwards. Well, I don't give a shit about that. Should be on Raw. But I like the show. Don't get me wrong. It was a very good show. And again, an easy watch. And that's like, to me, is the most important thing. An easy watch, an enjoyable watch. It never feels like a slog to watch. Um, although, that Rio Britt Baker match was the shits. No, no, it was not. No, it was not. No, it was I, not. I, I thought it was. I thought it was really bad. No. Really bad. Rio is tremendous. Rio is tremendous. Um, Rio saved that match in the second half. Uh, it was. It was bad early. It was. It was. It was really rough. Um, I had higher hopes for Britt Baker than what she has delivered uh, uh, so far on this show. I thought she was pretty disappointing in this match, and obviously we talked about our commentary before. Um, yeah, no, I, I like. I thought the second half of this match was really good, and I think Riho is just a tremendous um, first champion. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm not quite on the Rio train just yet. I, th- I, I think she's a little too niche, but maybe that's just because I'm not really so exposed to that style but I, yeah when this match ended I was like what the fuck was that that was a bit of a mess um, anything else worth mentioning on Dynamite there was no uh, what's the fucking fat comedian called <laughs> Kevin what oh Smith Smith <laughs> no Kevin Smith this week good he was on week two he was on the week... fat comedian <laughs> Well, he's not really fat or a comedian. Well, yeah, he's yeah, not comedian, first of all, and he hasn't been fat in like ten years. He still wears fat man's clothes, which is quite strange. <laughs> That's because he likes looking like an after picture. <laughs> there's one foot in the grave, and there's that after picture from when he used to be fat back in the day. Uh, <laughs> anything else happened to Dynamite then? Uh, uh, you had the Moxley tag match, which was all right. Oh, I quite, uh, I, I quite enjoyed that. Oh, yeah, that was that was more than all right. Yeah. 
Um, they played a AEW full gear pay per view um, advert during the rugby uh, the weekend. Oh, really? It's kind of interesting. Yeah, good, good, good spot. Good plug for that. Yeah, well, Ireland's already out of that. I, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember if it was the Ireland game or the England game. Mm. Um, Got Ireland lost. So. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so uh, WWE. So what was a bigger shame, Joe, was that NXT this week was uh, not very good and very boring. Uh, So NXT, the first two weeks of this head-to-head Wednesday night war, uh, I thought was, was, as I said, like a slog, but had really great matches. Mm -hmm. So there's the vibrating piece, I guess. Um... Really good matches. So you had like um, week one, Adam Cole Riddle, I thought was the best match of either show. Then last week, uh, Walter against Kushida, I thought was the best match of either show. This week was just kind of a a blah, nothingy week where nothing really was that good. Mm. Um, like definitely a skippable week. I mean, they did Keith Lee. Dominic Dijakovic again and I've really enjoyed every match they've had so far in their series because they're doing fucking destroyers they're doing Spanish flies off the top they're doing flips to the outside and they're these two big huge hor- like hosses and here they just had ugh, a, a very straightforward match that wasn't super notable or exciting so e- even even they weren't that good this week um the one thing that nxt has that i feel over AEW and that they do consistently better than AEW is the women um now barry won't agree with me because he's a big rio fan but like um on this show you had io shirai who's like better than any woman they have on AEW. let's be honest they had uh, the return of Tegan Knox, who's great. So, and they had Rhea Ripley uh, segment as well with Io Shirai and Bianca Belair is going to have a match with Rhea Ripley. And I think the women of NXT feel a step up from from the AEW women. But apart from that, I think I enjoy AEW more on almost every level. Um. To the point that I, I don't know, I might have to uh, drop NXT from the old rotation. Ooh, um, a victim of the Wednesday Night War. I don't really have time to watch both of them. Is the problem is it's a three-hour commitment yeah. after work on a Thursday. And I gotta have dinner and uh, have a shower yeah. and that. Like, I can't yeah, so so what? Um. So speaking of mundane run-of-the-mill shows, I also watched SmackDown this week. Oh, poor boy. Uh, well, I kind of had, I've enjoyed SmackDown for the last two weeks, and it's, I, I, I think it's just easier for me to lie in on a Saturday morning, get my tablet, and, and stick SmackDown on, mm. and, and just lie in bed and watch it. Um, yeah, this this was every you know. 2014 Smackdown you've ever seen. It was just just a completely oh God, boring by the numbers Smackdown. And uh, yeah. 
that might also need to be dropped from the old rotation <laughs> because uh, so it was, the, it was the draft episode. No, this was the first episode oh. post draft with the the new roster. So you would know. No AJ Styles, no Becky Lynch. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate people who maybe in, in, in merged roster times or, or wildcard rule times, whatever, that so, some better people get kind of pushed to the background. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated that, that 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 makes better people when they get more TV time. Um, yeah, but this show is just totally boring. Um so yeah, Nakamura Roman Reigns was the main event, and I was like, "Fuck!" I remember three years ago, this would be like a dream match. Not Shinsuke Nakamura against Roman Reigns, and now it's just, oh, it's that that kind of mid carder against, you know, the main event guy who's, I like Roman Reigns a lot, but I don't know that he's super exciting, especially nowadays where you have, you know, the Lucha Brothers and Kenny Omega on the other channel, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this, <clears throat> this show first the first Smackdown on Fox did 4 million viewers week 2 it was 3 million this was 2.6 million yeah I went through pretty bad isn't it yeah well I mean I was surprised by how you know how many stars they sent to Raw instead of Smackdown like I was doing the draft I'm thinking, I I don't really care. I don't really have uh, a preference, you know, in 2019, who's on Raw, who's on SmackDown. It doesn't really matter to me. But given that Fox is the the shiny new um, master that they have to cater to, you think they'd be like, okay, well, we got to have Becky Lynch on SmackDown. We got to have AJ Styles, I say, for argument's sake on Smackdown I was like no who, who's who's leading Smackdown Roman Reigns and that's kind of it mm. um, Daniel Bryan yeah but Daniel Bryan already okay I've only watched three weeks of Smackdown give me a break here but Daniel Bryan already just feels like another guy <laughs> they they completely fluffed the, the Daniel Bryan return story yeah um, he's just a babyface again now, by the way, for n- no reason. Um, I mean, he got attacked by uh, uh, Ginger Beard Man and Rowan. Rowan, and now he's just a uh, he's just a face now. Oh, Eric Rowan's gonna be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so SmackDown, SmackDown was not good. That's a shame. Um, do you want to tell us about NWA Power? Into the fire! Into the fire! Well, NWA Power is uh, quickly becoming my favourite show of the week. Uh, um, what? Okay. Really enjoyed episode two. Although I, I like Dynamite, but I think the biggest appeal of Dynamite, and Barry tweeted something like this in the week, is that... Um, it's a wrestling show that doesn't insult your intelligence and just isn't incredibly annoying and hacky like WWE. Yeah. That's the main appeal of AEW. It's not like they've got really kind of unique stories and characters and everything. Like it's just very good wrestling. You know, it's got good characters, good commentary and everything is fine. What I like about NWA, it's not for everyone, but it's got a very kind of unique 
uh, approach. Kind of like in the same way, like a GCW is not going to be for everyone, but it's definitely got a kind of unique thing that it wants to do. Um, and that's quite, what I quite like about it. It's kind of got an opinion uh, on what how it wants to present wrestling. And, you know, it's very simple. You know, they, the guys get to cut a very kind of short promo. They have some squash matches. They're kind of clear characters. It's just a very easy watch as well. Well, you had um, one of extra, extra Talented was on this week's one. What's the guy's name? Uh, Ricky Starks. Oh, Ricky Starks. Yeah, he was good. He was, yeah, he was, he was very helpful. interesting. I don't know what's up with them. They they've been around for ages. Obviously, we saw them Paul in, in, in OTT, although only once. They never they were never back. They never um, returned. And they did okay in progress. I think they had again a, a match there, um, and they have not been super prominent anywhere. But that's a good little get by NWA. The thing about NWA is that. Um, uh, I've I seen a conversation about it where people are saying, "Oh, well, you know, I like it a lot, but they just don't have the, you know, the workers. They all their, their roster is there's no real, uh, you know, traditionally great work rate guys on the show." And it's like, well, that's if they were to get in some great workers, then at that point it immediately starts kind of becoming more like every other show, you know. Yeah. Um, you, you know, if you take the current hot trend uh, indie guys and put them on NWA well then all of a sudden it's like yeah you know then it's MLW or, or Beyond Wrestling or something like that they, they, they've they also gone for uniqueness mm-hmm. um, uh, that's a good point actually it is and then, yeah, it's much more kind of character focused um, it's not it's not a four star match with dives in it which you can get in, in every other promotion yeah um, and they even had Mr. Kennedy and Damien Sandow on this week, and yet somehow it wasn't... Ooh, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> A complete train wreck. Um, yeah, so I will keep watching that. What's Anderson looking like these days? Got a big fat gut yet? Or? Um, he wasn't fat so much as uh, fucking ancient. <laughs> he, he, I think I tweeted he looked like Mike Pence. Oh, God. Um, yeah, it really aged badly. Sandow looks alright, he doesn't look as fat as when he was in TNA. It's so funny that he was like on the precipice of major stardom in WWE. Yeah. When you think when you really think back to like what, two thousand seven or something? Two thousand seven, two thousand and eight? Or maybe a little bit earlier. Mm. Oh, crazy stuff. Anyway, NWA Power. Mm. Any anything worth going out of your way to check out? It? No, just just watch if it, you like it. If you like it, watch it. It's only an hour. It's on YouTube. It's free. Speaking of only an hour, uh, multiply that by four, and you have New Japan's show at the weekend, King of Pro Wrestling, which I watched. Yes. Um, I would say two matches worth going out of your way to see on it. Uh, and even depending on how much free time you have in your life, one of them you might give a miss to. Um, best match of the show, Joe, you'll be happy to hear. Mm-hmm. Minoru Suzuki against Jushin Liger. Uh, they had a great little match. And not, not, not too long. So one that if you can kind of seek out, definitely worth a watch. And it was Liger in his battle Liger gear. So he didn't have the hair mm-hmm. and he had no... Um, he had his upper, like his chest exposed, and 
got himself into really good shape. They had a really great little match. Um, very, very kind of uh, emotional and definitely a kind of a, a Liger showcase and a almost, mm. a, almost a, 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 little, a little career retrospective in one little match, and it was it was really really great. And then the main event, what I thought I thought was excellent, um, Sonata against Okada. Uh, but it was like 40 minutes long. So if you don't have 40 minutes, uh, don't bother. But it was a really, really good match. Really, really good. Um, anything else worth checking out from that show? Uh, Evil, oh, uh, Kota Ibushi was quite good, but I, I kind of couldn't get into it because um, I, I didn't really buy that Evil was going to win. Um, what else? Uh, Juice Robinson and Lance Archer had quite a good match for the US title. Because um, obviously John Moxley was scheduled for the show, and due to the weather and that, he uh, he could not appear. So that was the deal there. Um, so yeah, I I, th- I don't think it was quite as good as I expected it to be as a show, but it was uh, a fairly enjoyable uh, four hours or whatever it was. <laughs> it was it was very long. I didn't actually I didn't actually watch it in one sitting. Um, I watched the first maybe two hours twenty, and I was like, "That's enough. That's enough wrestling for now. I might uh, come back to that in a little bit." And then I, it was only the other day that I finished off the show, but it was it was very very good. It was very very good. Um, and then we have obviously. At the weekend, OTT, Over the Top Wrestling from Dublin, Ireland, their little fifth-year anniversary show uh, this Saturday. Uh, We've lost Barry Murphy, listeners, so I'll uh, just give you my thoughts on the card uh, on my own. I think it looks like a right fun little card. Um, I think they've built their main event very well. David Starr, Jordan Devlin. They've done a very good job of kind of fudging the the line of reality um, in terms of David Starr being the heel, but being kind of simultaneously the the representative of indie wrestling, and Jordan Devlin being the homegrown babyface, but also being the representative of the hated corporation. WWE. So the mm. fans, the fans are kind of split on it, and I think OTT have done a very good job of kind of taking that and running with it. And so, even myself, I've kind of got caught up in the the hype of it. And I'm kind of like, I do hope David Starr wins. <laughs> Fuck the WWE. Um, but it's uh, it's a great little storyline. All the little intricacies of it, and and you know. The promos they've done and the promo videos they've put out have been, you know, to a typically high standard, and I think it's it's really really clever the way they built it. Very different to the the Walter Devlin build, although that was equally as good. It, it's definitely more of a more of a, a kind of a scripted narrative story compared to you know Walter Devlin was much more to do with the the sporting side the results the you know walter coming in and Mm -hmm. and beating devlin right off the bat and and where that went this is more about 
the, the, the characters involved. There's a lot more character work too. And it's very, very clever. Very, very well done. And I'm anticipating and I'm hoping for uh, a David Starr win and a world title run for him because I think given the work he's done and, and how good he is as a character, I think he definitely is deserving of it and it would be a nice direction to go in. Um, I'm very much looking forward also to seeing some more of the latest and greatest British talent, Omari and OJ, OJMO, however fuck I say his name. They were really fun at the last show I went to, so I'm excited to see them again. Killer Cross I'll be seeing for the first time. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny will be there against Kings of the North. That should be a right good time as well. Um... Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. It should be a very good show. Orange Cassidy, good. Orange Cassidy from A. There, uh, Mustache Mountain will be defending the tag titles against More Than Hype. Yeah, it's just it's gonna be a it's a really fun card. Um, if it if it doesn't necessarily have the import name power of you know last year, we had like. Zach I don't remember if it was a fourth year anniversary necessarily, but we had like uh, Osprey against Walter. Um, you had like Lij from New Japan, like Naito mm. and Ibushi, or not Ibushi, Sanada and uh, Evil. We had like Kushida against um, Ishii. Like it, it's definitely not quite to the standard of name of past shows but they've done a really good job of getting names in who people maybe haven't seen before and putting together a really fun card so top uh, top marks to OTT again uh, that's this Saturday really looking forward to having me tickets uh, assigned seating so no queuing for me we'll just walk up five minutes before the show begins and take our seats um, and I think that's all we have for you this week I don't know where Barry gone he, he must be dead or something um, oh dear! Oh dear! Maybe his computer exploded. We'll never know. So, Joe, anything else for you before Sweet. we log off? Oh well, no, that's it for this week, Paul. Um, thanks everyone for joining us once again. Another episode of the Show Shop Podcast. Yeah. Um, we'll be back uh, this Sunday, hopefully, uh, for next episode. But until then, check it out. Check us out on the website chairshoppodcast.com uh, you can find us on Twitter at ChairShopPod, at Paul Griffin at CSP, at Chris Turnan, and at uh, Barry something. <laughs> um, and that's it. Send us an email. Um, send us some thoughts on Twitter. Uh, check out NWA Power. And uh, have a great week. Yeah, and don't watch SmackDown. Bye, everybody. Bye.